welcome back to the Let's Be Friends podcast. This is your host, Kara. It's going to be just you and me today because today is a very special episode. I am going to share my story with you. I've been sharing bits of my story and then everybody knows I've been talking about Here Comes Trouble, my memoir, which I promise you is coming very soon, which is truly my story. Um, it is the story of my awakening and it really contains a lot of different layers and different levels. And it's actually really taken me by surprise in so many different ways. And we're going to get into that in this episode um, because who's awakening isn't complex and everybody's awakening. Everybody's journey here in life is unique and is their own. And I believe everybody has a story to tell. And I have this platform, this podcast, Let's Be Friends. I'm also hosting Not So Secret Societies now with Eyes on the Right. And then I have I Can't Believe That's News with my friend Float Universe. Um, but this podcast, Let's Be Friends, this is my little personal project. And I really want everybody to get to know me a little bit better because lately it's been a while. I don't even know if I have any solo podcasts up because I've, I've to be honest with you, I've taken a bunch of old episodes down and I'm really trying to hone the focus in on um, really the episodes that explain more who I am now um, and not so much what I was going through because awakening is a process. It's ongoing. And since I started this platform last May, I've, I've been through a significant awakening. I continue another layer of the onion has been peeled off and I really want to start sharing my story. And I've held off doing something like this in the podcast because I do have my memoir, Here Comes Trouble, coming out. And really that book is, if you enjoy this episode, that book is going to tell you all the details. Like it's going to go, there's going to be chapters on all the stuff that I'm just going to mention and talk about. Um, the memoir uh, I have been working on for about 20 years, something like that. I've known for a long time I was going to write my story. I just didn't really know exactly what it was because I've been right. You know, you, you write your story, a memoir, really, you can go back and do it, but you could also write it in real time. And I've been journaling since I could write my, I'll start there. Let's start. Let's go ahead. Let's dive into my story. My name is, is Kara Helen Mosier and I was born September 22nd, 1982. Um, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and in the early morning, and uh, I uh, was born on the the fall equinox. I guess that's what that is. Um, so that was a very special day. And thank you, mom and dad, and thank you, mom, because you got me my first journal. And I started journaling when I was, you know, six or seven years old. It's really cute. I have um, all my journals. I have probably. 15 journals, probably one every year. I stopped journaling maybe in my 20s, but I had always been a writer and I had always been writing about what was going on with me. I look back at my early entries and it's, <laughs> they're like talking about my problems as like a little kid, like talking about what was going on in my house. And you know, my parents divorced when I was little. I like everybody have my own childhood traumas and my own um, story, but mostly for me, it was depression and anxiety. Um, as a child, I had a lot of anxiety and a lot of feelings. I was I've always felt really strongly. Um, and so I, I don't think I really knew what to do with it. And I, I was always very, uh, colorful character with, you know, running around with my friends with a really vivid imagination. I would play what I did when I was little is I would just 
you know, play in the woods in the backyard. And I had an imaginary house and I, I had a tree house that I built, a clubhouse. Um, but I'd have like imaginary roads and my, you know, my bike was my horse. And, you know, I had a really, I had a really great childhood, um, you know, mixed in with, with just, you know, the normal dose of family trauma that everybody has. Um, and, uh, you know, for me really abandonment issues came up, um, probably not learning and understanding how to control my emotions because, um, and depression really hitting me hard and anxiety. Definitely. Like looking back now, I can tell, like, I had big anxiety problems growing up and had no idea. And that's really scary to not feel right and not realize, oh, you probably got an anxiety issue. Um, but you know, I trudged through life and, but by the time I was, um, in college, I had my first panic attack. And, uh, this is kind of an anchor in my story because I lost it. Like I was, I think it was 24, 23 years old. And I remember I drove myself, I called my parents and they're like, Oh, you're having a panic attack. And, um, I thought I was dying. You ever had a panic attack? Like you, you think you're dying. And, um, I drove myself to the hospital and they gave me a prescription for Xanax. And basically that didn't do anything for me. And that panic attack didn't go away for two weeks. This is really like why I'm kind of like skirting through my child and just saying I had, it was, I was overly emotional. I felt a lot. I was told I was too much. I was kind of abandoned. Like I wasn't taken care of. I didn't, wasn't equipped. Like all of us end up being to function through life. And I was told there was something wrong with me. And I got to this point where I had this panic attack and it wouldn't go away. And I went, I, I went home and I said to my dad, I was like, I'm not right. I need help. And he said, well, let's get you in therapy. And I said, I need more. And he's like, okay, what do you need? And I said, I need rehab. So I went to rehab and this is a really profound part of my journey. Um, because I, gosh, I feel like I'm going to cry. I don't, if I, I, this is like the hardest episode to record, um, your life's story, you know? Um, but when I went to rehab, if you can believe this, they, every day I was there for 40 days, pavilion international in North Carolina in the mountains. It was fancy guys. I was so lucky. I got to go to a really, really nice rehab facility. And though the drive there, I literally, thought gravity was going to give out. That's how messed up I was. Cause I'd had this panic attack that lasted for two weeks and the Xanax they gave me at the hospital wasn't doing anything except for making me totally numb. And the panic attack didn't go away. And like my dad's driving me to the airport to go to rehab. And I literally remember feeling like I was going to float out of the windshield, like gravity. I had no sense of faith. I had nothing stable to be on. I'd given up on everything I had. I just was like something had happened in my life that sparked this panic attack. And it wouldn't go away. And I was so, it was basically the accumulation of a whole life of not feeling. So I get to rehab and we have every morning, we have to write down on this piece of paper, how we're feeling. How are you feeling every day? And this is when I really realized how messed up I was. Um, I didn't know how I felt answering that question. Are you angry? Are you sad? are you happy? Like I was, I realized, gosh, I'm going to cry. I was numb. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry a lot in this episode. I had numbed myself completely from feeling. 
I was an intelligent, I've always, you know, an intelligent girl. I was in college. I did well in school. I um, waited tables all through college and always worked a job. I had an internship as well. I was a full-time student with an internship at a law firm and I was waiting tables full-time and, you know, I had friends and a boyfriend and everything was great. And I was busy all the time, but I didn't ever stop and check in with myself. And, you know, I partied. You have to, you have to party to get into rehab. So I was doing my fair share of partying too. No heavy, heavy drugs, but, you know, marijuana, drinking, little cocaine, stuff like that. But, you know, you need, you had to, to get into rehab, you have to have some kind of drug problem. At least where I went. So I had numbed through those things. And then also just from keeping busy from uh, just like the scariest thing for me would have been to sit still for a second and be with myself. I didn't do it ever. Like I did, I just, I was, and so when I was in rehab and I had to write down how I felt, I was like, wow, Kara, you're like an ice cube. And that my friends is a very, very dangerous thing because I believe this whole journey, which we're going to go through in this episode, giving you like the long teaser for here comes trouble in my memoir. But what I've learned is that feeling is healing and we're meant to feel in real time. Like our feelings are indicators of what's going on. Our feelings are very important. And the depth that you choose to feel is how involved you are in life and what you can take from things and what you can create and like how strong your song can sing from within your soul song. So that was eye opening for me. And I learned a lot at Pavilion. Like I left rehab feeling so much better. Um, I had a new outlook on life. I was sober and I stayed sober for six months. (laughs) That's probably the longest stretch. I don't drink alcohol anymore. Um, but after I left rehab, you know, I took, I I took some time. I went and lived before rehab. I I did do some pretty amazing things while I was emotionally numb journaling all the time. And my journals, you know, were probably, probably the best way that I was feeling, or if if I was, you know, writing about what was going on as a, a kid or, that, um, you know, where I was traveling, I, I went and I, I traveled the world. Um, I lived in Costa Rica for a while. I, uh, traveled all through Central America by myself, um, with a backpack and like no money, no cell phone. This was before then I had a lonely planet book. Um, but it was my dream to travel the world. And I did for a long time. I mixed that in my twenties and I studied abroad three times. I studied abroad in Costa Rica and I studied abroad in England twice in London so I lived in the UK as well. And I went to graduate. So when I left rehab, actually, I went right to graduate school in London for international relations, because at that point I was going to be a lawyer or I was going to be a diplomat. I wanted, since I was a kid, my wish was always world peace on every wishbone, <laughs> world peace. And when I won that wishbone, I would get so excited because I was literally I never wished for money. I never wished for things for myself. I literally like looking back, I always wished for world peace. And I even had devoted my life up in, to this point in, to go to grad school for international relations. I traveled around. I was in graduate school. I just left rehab. I'm feeling good. I'm just trying out life again. And, you know, I, I, I do good for a couple of years. <laughs> I moved back to the United States and then I moved to Austin. On a whim, I moved to Austin, Texas. And I 
got my first real job out of college and was really living on my own and trying to start to create a life for myself and everything, you know, went, went good for a few years. It went, you know, I, I just did the thing. I, I got a good job at a science publisher and I was a managing editor. It was paid really well. I was using, I wasn't a diplomat. I didn't finish grad school. I dropped out. <laughs> I dropped out because I ran out of money and well, and I wasn't that into it after a while. I, I kind of was like, I don't know how diplomatic I am. Um, and I came, you know, I moved back. And so I worked for a long time, I guess, quote, quote unquote, in the matrix. And then I, uh, I, I got laid off from my job. I got an email one morning, 8 a.m. on a Friday. They always do this on Fridays. And it was like, Kara, a meeting with like the owner and my boss. And that wasn't that weird. We, we had meetings a lot, but I knew when that email came, I knew I was getting fired or not fired, but laid off. I was a great employee. Um, so I go, I, but, but I had been going through some depression and um, it was pretty prevalent, like at the office that I'd been going through stuff. I had been in a, a serious three year relationship that ended. And I had uh, been going through some anxiety coming back into my life. Um, I had some problems with my family and it really uh, fractured me. And I'm for, for a while before I got laid off, probably the year before it was probably, it was pretty obvious to everyone in the office. I was going through a hard time. I lost a ton of weight, um, like probably shocking amount. Cause people were, were all over telling me like, Oh my gosh, you've, you've lost a lot of weight. And people do that. They don't realize often when people lose weight drastically like that, it's cause something's going on in their life. So it got old for people to be like, Oh, you look great. You look great. And I'm like, I feel like shit inside. But, um, I, uh, was going through this breakup in this hard time and had these issues with my family. And I remember for like three months, every morning, my anxiety was so bad that I had to like peel myself out of bed. It was awful. Like, I don't know how I was on antidepressants. I had multiple stints on antidepressants and I was seeing counsel. I started seeing counselors around now, a uh, one-on-one counselor because I wasn't doing good. And like, I didn't, I don't know how I made it through the day. Um, but I did it and I would go to work and then I would come home and I would float in the pool at my apartment because that was all I could do. My anxiety was so high and heavy because of mostly because of the problems I was having with my family members. I was really sad. I was being ignored by somebody very important to me. And it really stirred up old abandonment issues from when I was younger. And, you know, yeah, the main thing is that I, I remember for months, like literally having to peel myself out of bed. My anxiety was so bad. So I got laid off from my job. And I remember that morning that email came. I'm in my boss's office and he looks at me and he goes, well, I wanted to do this a year ago, but you were in such a mess at the time. He was a real, he was a real jerk. Love him, love him. But he was, that was a real jerk thing to say. Cause yeah, thanks buddy. <laughs> so I got laid off, but in that moment, they handed me a $10,000 check. I got a 10,000. I got, I got paid $10,000 to, for, to leave the job and I got unemployment. It was, so I drive, so I got laid off from my job and I remember I get in my car and I had this, like, like I said, it was a good job. I was like living high. I had this sweet, uh, sob convertible. I hopped in my convertible. I get in the car. I've been laid off. I've been handed this $10,000 check. I'm, I don't know, 28 years, seven, 28 years old. Um, living by myself. I was single. I, uh, had been working 
or being a full-time student or being a full-time student working and having internships since I was 16. And so all of a sudden I had this thought, wow, what do people do? Like I drove, I got my car, I got my convertible. I backed out of the place. I remember I stopped in the middle of the road and I thought, what do people do from eight to five Monday through Friday? And how will I introduce myself? Because I've been saying, hi, I'm Kara Mosier, the managing editor of Cancer Biology and Therapy. Like I literally would introduce myself as, hi, say my name. This is my job title because it's a good job title. And I want you to know that I'm smart and I make good money. And that's so, woo, it's so ego right? It's, a, it's labels. <clears throat> but anyways, it's important that that was a moment where I lost that label and I lost my routine. And that routine had kept me afloat. If anybody knows me, I'm a busy person. I'm always going. I'm always doing things. I'm always working on like 10 projects at a time. Um, I like it's getting me to sit down and like chill out um, is usually only done when I'm on like psychedelic journeys or um, which I have done a lot of. And we'll talk about that. Um, and, you know, now it's sitting down and Honestly, I've been reading the Bible lately. Everybody knows that. That's gonna we're gonna talk about that too. Um, but playing music, that was one way. I'm a piano player, I'm a musician. Um, in fact, we're gonna talk about the albums. I have a couple albums out and I'm gonna drop music from those albums into this episode. You're gonna hear them and I'm gonna talk a little bit about them too. Cause they tie into my story. It's it's really interesting. My story, I've been creating art all along the way that like all ties together like the theme song for this episode this podcast that's me if anybody doesn't know that's me singing from my album dosage that song's called dmt anyway so i left and i had this crash down i got handed this check and all of a sudden for the first time since i'm 16 in like 11 years i had freedom um <laughs> yeah so i got a roommate <laughs> so that i could stay living in my house because i lived in a house alone and uh I wanted to make my unemployment work and I wanted to make that $10,000 check work. I remember when I had that check, I thought, maybe I'll go to India. I've always wanted to go to India. I could go to India for a month. I could just go and travel or I can make this money work for like six months here and I can start something. I can do what I've always wanted to do. And I decided I would start a photography business because that's what I had always wanted to do. And that's what I love to do. I had been doing freelance photography and just like doing it for myself since college. I was a photographer in college. I literally like my grandma died and left me $500. I bought my first Nikon camera. It was film still, not digital. This is, I'm old school. I know what it's like. I was alive before the internet came out. We had a landline and an answering machine growing up and that's my dream to have that again. But um, I got this camera and I started walking around taking pictures in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where I lived. And I decided I wanted to be a professional photographer. So I made a portfolio and I applied for a job as a photographer at Western Michigan University, where I was going to college and they hired me. And it was amazing because I got to develop pictures in a dark room. I got paid $12 a published shot. It was, a, that was a lot of money then. And that was a big deal to get paid. So that was a, just a dream that I always had. Like if I had, besides saving the world and being a diplomat, which I had dropped that by now, um, 
it was being a photographer, a National Geographic photographer. But um, I was happy to start my own business. So I started These Brown Eyes Photography. And uh, don't look for the website. I've taken it down and somebody else has bought the name. I But by Brown Eyes, These Brown Eyes Photography was really good, really catchy. And it started taking off and I did freelance. Um, but that six months right after I got laid off, I experienced... Anyway, the begin like I think one of the first sparks in my awakening. And if you listen to my episode with Katie Gray, uh, a couple back, everybody's welcome here. Author Katie Gray, her book Journey of the Empowered Heart is amazing. She came into my life, and I talk about in that episode a little bit about how Katie and I became really good friends. And Katie said to me one day, and this was right after I had gotten laid off from that job. She looked at me, I was talking to her about something and she goes, those voices, those mean voices in your head aren't you, Kara. And it was, just blew my mind because I thought I was that mean voice in my head and I had some mean voices in my head. Those are programs, right? Those are possibly the spirit world. <laughs> like that's a whole thing we're going to dive into. Um, but that moment, something happened and shifted inside me. It was as if Katie's candle flame on her head had leaned forward and lit mine. And I, something happened to me and I just, I started awakening. And then that summer, I did a ton of psychedelics. I had done mushrooms. Anybody who knows, I'm, that's been a huge part of my journey is psychedelics. I did a lot of solo mushroom journeys. And in that time, I started expanding and understanding life in a way I had never seen before. And I started understanding my depression a little bit more. I started feeling better and different on mushrooms. And I just, it was a huge, I call it the summer of fun. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just, I, I wasn't working for the first time since I was 16. And I, you know, I, Katie and I had this moment that was like this breakthrough. And at that time I got my hands on an Eckhart Tolle book, a new earth. Now I do not like, I want to say for the record, I think Eckhart Tolle is false light. <laughs> We're going to get into that later. So I'm not recommending anybody read this book, but it's called a new earth. And it's important because this is how seeds are planted into us. It's very deceiving especially when we're awakening and we're vulnerable. But that book meant a lot to me. Like I did take a lot of great stuff from that, that book. And I remember just laying in my hammock, reading that book, doing mushrooms, riding my bike, and just like not doing much. And it was huge for me. I was really happy until my unemployment ran out. <laughs> and then I like started collapsing again. But at that moment, I met somebody and he was a photographer, which was perfect because I was starting a photography business and I was wanting to learn more, you know, about the <clears throat> photography and stuff. I actually met him at a photography store he worked at and we started dating and he was a very interesting person. He was very into magic and he was, he taught me tarot cards. He taught me how to evoke ghosts and, and <clears throat> all this stuff. And he like we did mushrooms together and we journey and and uh it really expanded me i see now 
into playing with with magic and that magic world. And this is all important because it's going to tie into my story later um, when I am introduced to the new age um, in 2020. And because this is the first that I really had any occult kind of magic stuff come into my life, you know, like I was really good at tarot. Like I got really into it and I was just like naturally really good at, at, at magic stuff. Like it made sense to me. And I doing all the psychedelics that I had done and gotten really comfortable on it and, um, just experiencing the unknown and all of that. It's always been where I go to, like, I've always questioned life. Like, what is this? What are we all doing here? Like, how am I moving my arm? It's always just the biggest thing that amazes me. I don't get it. Um, I get it, but I don't understand it. It's amazing. Um, uh, <laughs> right about it. In my book actually, I'm obsessed with how, how come we are, like, all of our minds aren't blown by the fact we can move our arm. But anyway, after, you know, he and I are dating and, and I'm, you know, my unemployment's running out. Like I've gone off this big high of, of doing all these psychedelics and, 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 uh, reading a new earth and just got laid off from my job and I got this money and I'm free for the first time. And I meet this guy and all of a sudden, bam, my mental state just like, Whoa, like spun out of control. Completely like completely. And, you know, our relationship crumbled with it and it, you know, it got, it got, it needed to because we weren't getting along. We were fighting and I was a mess. And so he, he left me pretty like he abandoned me basically. (laughs) Like, I feel like it's really foggy, but I felt like I like went to Michigan to go visit my family and I came back and he had moved out because we were living together. And then it was like, I was like, oh my God, he broke up with me. He left me and abandoned me. And it triggered all my abandonment wounds from childhood. And um, the same ones that, you know, in my mid twenties, when I say I had like a couple months where I couldn't get out of bed because I'd been abandoned by a family member again, it all came out and I was like, well, if I can't have him, I'm going to kill myself. And I had had suicide ideation. That's what that is. I didn't have a plan. I just was like, I'm gonna, um, I want to be dead. Um, my first suicide ideation came when I was 16. I remember clearly the first time I wanted to kill myself. And it was because of girls gossiping about me at school, makeup lies. So people can, kids can be fucking mean, like, sorry to swear there, but kids can be really mean. Um, should all be nicer to each other. Uh, but I, uh, basically I, I went, I lost it. I lost my mind and I went to my friend's house and I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to kill myself. She freaked out as someone should. And, uh, cause it turns out her boyfriend in high school had actually killed himself. So this was not a joke to her at all. And it wasn't to me either. I was, you know, a mess in that moment. And she called the police. The police picked me up and took me to the psych ward. And this is all in my book. You guys, all this is in my book, all the details. Um, and when I walked into the psych ward, I sat down in front of a psychiatrist. That's the first thing they did. They sat me down and within 10 seconds, I was diagnosed bipolar. And it made sense to me in that moment because I'd been a mess my whole life. I had been an emotional wreck. I'd been to rehab. I'd had multiple midlife crises and I was like in my mid twenties. Um, I didn't want to be alive. Nothing was working for me. Nothing made me better. I'd done a couple stints on antidepressants by now. Like 
they put me on some hard pills in rehab. Like I tried sobriety. I had done traveling the world, um, by myself, you know, I did all this stuff and I wasn't any better. I was a mess. So, and I was in the psych ward now. Um, so I took the pills. They put me on Depakote. I remember sitting in front of um, doc, the Dr. Cirque. And she said, because she said, uh, we're going to keep you here for at least 24 hours because that's like the law. Because uh, I wanted to go. I said, I'm fine. I'm fine. Once I heard they were going to keep me there, I go. I remember going, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like I just told her I wanted to kill myself. She asked why. I said, because my boyfriend broke up with me. And then I go, oh, no, you're going to keep me overnight on this. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I spent my whole life acting um, that I was fine. I'm a very honest, truthful, authentic person, but I would not show people how I really felt. So I just immediately like tried acting that I was fine in front of her. And I remember her saying, this is this is mixed mania, Kara. You're telling me one second you want to kill yourself. And then the next second you're fine. And you want to go home. Mixed mania is a term they use for people with bipolar when you're feeling extre- uh, multiple extreme emotions at once. And that's exactly what was going on with me. I felt crazy. So I went into the psych ward and I stayed my night and I called Katie, <laughs> my friend, Katie Gray. And I told her, got some tissues here. Should have had them on hand. I told her, you know, I'm in the psych ward. They told me I'm bipolar. She said, they tried to tell me the same thing, Kara. There's nothing wrong with you, but I didn't believe her. (laughs) Very uh, different story now, but this is where I was then. And I was 29 years old, diagnosed bipolar, uh, no job, (laughs) um, no plan. And I didn't want to be alive. I didn't like sitting still to do anything. I didn't like feeling I had gone back to my numbing ways and here I was. And I had a, I finally had a, a label, uh, you know, I had a, basically they told me I was bipolar. I was like, okay, well that's what's been wrong with me. So hook line and sinker. I became bipolar. And I wrote the album Dosage. Dosage is the name of my album, and it's a full-length album, and it's all about being bipolar. (laughs) It's called Dosage because when you're bipolar, you're sick for life. There's no cure. They tell you you have a quote-unquote chemical imbalance, but as you heard from my episode with Darcy, um, here's the damn deal. I love Darcy. She's amazing. She has liminal mental health mentoring services for anybody who is looking to get off pills or wants any mental health mentoring, contact Darcy and liminal mental health. Uh, but that you're constantly like, you're told that you're, you're sick for life. 
and you're always on pills and you have to see the psychiatrist every three months and they're always doing blood work on you taking vials and vials of blood now i'm like what are they doing with my blood um but basically i i made this album dosage because it's dosage the lyrics have a place them right now you can hear the background playing but it's like dosage you got me on the wrong one my mind triggered like a loaded gun sometimes i unravel and i come undone dosage you've got me on the wrong one oh i'm gonna cry again this is heavy guys when i talk about this stuff because i was a mess for a long time i was i know what it's like i know what it's like to be in the darkness and, and to be living in fear and be afraid of yourself and be afraid of your thoughts and be afraid to be alone and I know that I lived there for a long time it took me a long time to leave that place and I have so much compassion and love for anybody who's there right now you to know though I'm sharing my story because I want people to have hope. I don't want people to have to go down the long, painful, slow journey of healing that I did. I want to share my story to help you guys find your way out if you're in it. So I wrote this album and uh, there's songs on there like called Survive. fragile
and well, that's on my EP. I also have an EP called Wasted Youth. <laughs> and see how I felt about my youth. To be honest with you, it's all I have, the truth. We're just wasted youth, but maybe we can change, rearrange, but maybe we can change, rearrange, what did I say? song called golden path um which is all about my journeying on psychedelics and what i was experiencing Polar, because uh, I had anger issues. I had suicide ideations, mostly in depression. And that was my biggest issues: depression. So I'd go between depression and anger and sadness, and it was just a cycle, an endless cycle. And the pills um, numb you. That's what they do. That's what they do. I mean, I took them for ten years. So please, everyone, take my word. They turn your mind off. They turn your personality off and they numb you so that you don't feel. So that's what they do. They cut you down. Um, they make you less of a person. They make you lose your motivation. They make your body sick. Um, they don't help you because there's nothing wrong with us.
I don't even believe in these diagnoses anymore. I don't think, believe in a chemical imbalance or bipolar. So during this time, I actually met my partner, Jody, who I'm still dating now, um, about a year after, maybe, gosh, I can't remember, six months after being diagnosed bipolar, being on the pills, I met him. I was like, working as a photographer. It's what, you know, it's what I'd start doing with these brown eyes photography, and I got a, a gig doing concert photos with Do 512 um, as an intern. And it was awesome. Um, here in Austin, Texas, this is like, there's tons of venues here. It's just, a, I moved here because I love music. Like, I'm a musician. I love live music. It was my, I grew up in small town, Michigan. It was my dream to live somewhere where I could go to concerts all the time. So I got a job as a concert photographer and I could go to as many concerts as I wanted for free and usually get an extra ticket for a friend. I took photos and submitted them. It was awesome. So I was outside of a concert, a twin shadow show. <laughs> and I have a whole chapter about this. It's called meet Jody. And I met Jody and that's, um, you know, I was, it was uh, a really beautiful moment. It was very, uh, profound. And Jody has been, God, I'm going to cry. He has been with me this whole journey. We've been together nine years and I had just been, wow, I'm crying a lot this episode. I had just been diagnosed bipolar and I told him right away because we met at that concert, that fateful night. And like I said, all of the details of my, this is just the outline of my story. The story is in the book, the here comes trouble. And I won't hopefully, I mean, can you, I know I'm going to do an audiobook, but I hope I don't cry my way through it. <laughs> I'm fine guys. I just, I feel now, see, I'm sensitive, but I met Jody and, um, you know, he's been with me this whole journey of working through my intense anger problems and my intense sadness and the scary suicide ideation that never went away. So you know, we, we started dating and everything was it's wonderful, you know, and, but I'm not getting any better. So I just kept going to the psychiatrist and they kept putting me on more pills. I mean, one point, um, and I write about this in my book, it's the chapter is called the nightmare. Um, I had a breakdown. I had a mental break. I would have these mental breakdowns where I would just lose it. I would like lose touch with reality and I was a great patient. I took all my pills. I stayed in one-on-one -on -one counseling with the same counselor for 10 years, um, Margaret, who's amazing. And sh she was literally my counselor um, assigned to me out of the psych ward. And I was in counseling three days a week. I should say this. When I left the psych ward, I was such a mess. Um, I was in counseling, one-on-one -on -one counseling three days a week. And then group counseling twice a week. So that's right, folks. I was in counseling five days a week as a 29-year-old, fresh out of the psych ward, no job, totally depressed. Just boyfriend just broke up with her, like total mess. Um, I did dialectical behavioral therapy, didn't even remember it. Um, but and I, in those two months, what I left after I left the psych ward were two of the hardest months of my life. Um, I remember... Sometimes I would just sit on the floor in my room and I had cement floor. Like I had these really cool cement floors in my house at that time. And uh, they were like stained, you know, it was, it was like popular. I'm crying again. Yep. 
And I would sit on the floor and I would just feel, I would just wrap my arms around my knees and I would cry. And I had to smoke a joint to stop crying. I was waiting for my pills to start working and for to numb me, essentially, and fix anything. But for two months, I had to hide the knives in my house um, from myself because that was always what I romanced, was slitting my wrist. Um, I never did it. Never attempted suicide. Um, well, one time, but we're going to talk about that later here. Yeah, it was awful. I, I don't know how I got through that, but I did. Uh, I just literally looked down at my desk and saw the word God <laughs> as I said that. Yeah, it's been God. And we're going to talk about God um, in a little bit. But God ties into rehab. God ties into this time. God ties into everything. So, yeah, ha- had a hard time. But then I met Jody, you know, six months after that. And my life started changing and I started numbing with these pills. And Um, they continue to put me on more because I never got better. And eventually, you know, I maxed out. Um, I had a, I had some breakdowns. Like I was saying, I had that, that, uh, that moment that I call the nightmare. Um, and that's a whole chapter in my book and I lost it. 
And I know what it's like to feel crazy. And I know what it's like to lose your mind. I know how scary that is. I've been there. And it was never drug-induced. It was life-induced. It was demonic, honestly. Um, I do believe there is a darkness in this world beyond what we can see. And I do believe that that is what we are up against. And I believe from my own experiences and what I've been through, I see how it gets to us. I get how it works. That's it's that you're that's tricky, right? That darkness is tricky, but I get it now because I lived it. And this is what God's wanted me to see. And for a long time, I had anger outburst and moments where I lost it and horrible, horrible depression that would never wouldn't go away for weeks and months on end. But this moment, the nightmare was a turning point because Jody had had enough and he told me I needed to do something. So I, what did I do? I went to the doctor and they put me on lithium. And uh, then I started really slowing down. Lithium works very well to slow you down. It probably created a second of time lapse in everything for me where it gave me time to think before I acted and I thought that was good, but what it was doing is just really slowing me down and numbing me. When I took lithium, I stopped crying. I wouldn't cry. I think it was almost two years. I feel like I like, I, I would, what would happen is, um, cause none of my problems were going away. I would get in a fight with Jody or a fight with someone. And I just would be looking at them cold. Like it didn't, like I was heartless, nothing. Yeah. Not, a, I should, I probably did something horrible and someone was telling me how much I hurt them. And I'd just stare at them like, what? What do you want me to do? And I should have been crying and feeling horrible and essentially repenting. But lithium numbed me. All these pills numbed me. I um, just kept, yeah, I would take colonopins for anxiety. I'd smoke pot for anxiety. Um, I was taking like 24 pills a day probably prescribed. I also got diagnosed with um arthritis in my back and I had I had gained 80 pounds I'm not a heavy person naturally I'm tall 5'9 but these pills after 8 years of being on them I had packed on about 5 extra pounds a year or more than I don't even 10, 10 pounds a year I guess actually <laughs> gee um, and I now had back problems and I was also on muscle relaxers to sleep and cut through the day because why not just put her on more pills
So I was totally maxed out on pills and this was 2019. So here we are, 2019 and I'm bipolar. I'm depressed. I am, I'd given up on life though. I, I put these albums out and I love the pureness of my music and it's beautiful. And I wrote all of it. Like I wrote the music, I wrote the keyboard part. I played the keyboard part. I wrote a lot of the instrumentals. I worked with Andy Reid, an amazing producer who's in the band, the verb pipe and Donnie Brown from the verb pipe did my drums. It's a, it's a really professional, awesome album. It, and it's all about my journey and it is the, those the dosage, my full length album and wasted youth, my EP. That's like the silver lining of my crap that I went through when I was bipolar for those eight years. Cause I wrote songs like the piano had, I started playing the piano when I was like six or seven years old and I was starting to journal. And like I mentioned, it was the piano was like the one thing I would do to sit down um, and be still. And I would play my feelings and I write about this in the book. (laughs) I would play my feelings in that piano when I didn't have the words to know how I felt. Like when I was in rehab, I literally couldn't tell you if I was confused, if I was patient if I was angry if I was I I was like it's crazy to me but I couldn't but I could go to the piano and probably play it out without realizing it and so the piano had come back into my life um in my 20s, you know, I had gotten this piano. I actually um, remember right before they la- I was laid off from my job. I, one day I was just like fed up and I went on Craigslist and Google searched for free piano and someone that will deliver. And three came up <laughs> and uh, I had a choice that you guys, if you want a piano, go to Craigslist and just search for a free piano. People give them away. And I got old lady fingers, my piano old lady fingers. Uh, she's a beautiful piano and I'll have her for life. And I play her almost every day. Playing piano is uh, the most peace I can be at. And if there's something that I can do in this life that it's like I was born to do, it's play piano because I just watch myself play and it's beautiful and I love it so much. So I would though I was really sick and miserable. Like I had great moments. You guys, I had in my mind, it's not all bad. You know, there were good days mixed in, of course, good moments, but there was always this underlying current of darkness within me. Um, I remember one time <laughs> it just came to my mind when I was like, uh, just before I got di- right after I got diagnosed bipolar, before I met Jody, I drove by this like tarot reading place and I stopped and I never done like stopped and gotten my palm read or anything like that. Like I got into tarot because of my ex-boyfriend, but that was it. And I go in and get a reading and this woman looks at me and goes, Oh, you got a lot of black energy around you. She's like for $200, I'll do a clearing. And I was like 200 bucks. No way. And I got out of there and I was like, darkness around me. Well, she was right about the darkness around me. But she couldn't have cleared it anyway. I don't believe. Yeah, we're going to get to all that. So, okay. I uh, put out these albums because, you know, I was 
that's how I, I would, I would literally spend all my free time on the piano, writing songs, playing songs, and they would always be about what I was feeling inside. So that's what's, you know, gold, like I said, the gold song Golden Path that starts the album is about summer of fun, <laughs> mushroom trips. And I, the journeys that I took on mushrooms because I, I would receive information and I talk a lot in my memoir about some of these trips. I've pulled out some very specific ones because I remember all everything that happens when I do mushrooms. I most people like don't remember, but I remember everything. I'm like totally lucid and conscious when it ha- when it's going on. I would I started hearing voices when I would take mushrooms and I started seeing the spirit world, but I didn't understand it at the time. So I wrote stuff like Golden Path where I'm like literally like um something better come or something better feel real quickly i'm losing my grip with reality i'm ride this wave into another haze by myself inside a brand new maze mornings i wake up into another dream What, what is all of this like i'm i'm really like questioning life and trying to figure things out and went to mushrooms for all of that Um, so I put out these albums and bipolar my life sucks except for my wonderful relationship with Jody and he stays with me through all of this and that you know if that's not true love I don't know what is um, staying by someone's side through all of their darkness and so it got to the point where I um, eight years into being diagnosed bipolar by five different psychiatrists um, I'm 30 seven years old at the time 2019 I remember being in front of my psychiatrist and saying hey like I'm not any better and what are we gonna do like my anger problems are ruining my life basically and he looked at me and he's like we don't have any more pills to give you like we can't we can't give you any more pills and uh that's not what you want to hear when you are literally thinking pills are going to make you better. And I took antidepressants, literally swallowed antidepressants, believing they'd make me happy. I took these pills believing they would balance my brain. I bought the entire bag of BS like completely. And I took 30,000 pills I never needed, if not more. I gave Big Pharma half a million dollars. When I look back and do the math, my insurance paid out because I never needed any of it. It never helped me. It made me really sick. When I was on lithium, I would get up in the middle of the night and throw up all the time. I um, was swollen. My body was swollen. I had gained all this weight. I was unhappy. I was slow. I gave up on my life. I lost my spark and my spirit. Um, Yeah, I never got better ever. Um, All it did was numb me and make me lose myself. So I'm in front of the psychiatrist and he says, I'm going to send you to this place called the Mood Clinic. They are out of University of Texas. And what they do is they specialize with bipolar patients and getting them on the lowest medication, the lowest dose possible. Okay, great. This is amazing. This is exactly what I need. So I go and I, I get an interview and this is exciting when you're like, in the system and you get like to go see a new doctor or a specialist, it's like brag material, you know? So I get there. I sit down for my interviews. Four hours later, 
I've told my story. I've talked to the psychiatrist. I've talked to the intake person. I am told I am not bipolar. I do not have bipolar. I do not have the mania to have a bipolar diagnosis. So like this just like blew my mind. Like I, I didn't know what to think. Like, cause I'd been diagnosed bipolar. Like I said, in 10 seconds, 10 seconds in front of a woman. And she said, you're bipolar for hours in front of multiple doctors at a specialty clinic. And I'm told I am not bipolar after the last eight years, I'd given up my life and become bipolar. And book talks all about this, how I became bipolar. Okay. We have to be so careful with all these labels out there, you guys, because you become them. You chisel yourself down. It's so dangerous and it's all by design. So what they said was I had borderline personality disorder. Um, So basically there's mood disorders like bipolar and depression, schizophrenia, and they're treated with medication. They're incurable. And then there's personality disorders and personality disorders are treatable, but they're extremely hard to treat because you have to want to change and you have to see there's something wrong with you. And if you can't see there's something wrong with you, you can't change. If you're not willing to get better, you'll, you're never going to get better. So they're like, yeah, you, you can heal from this, Kara, but you have to want to change. Well, they didn't know that they were dealing with Kara Mosier and I am the most dedicated patient dedicated student, dedicated person. And I gave it my all. So I jumped right. I put my life on hold and I went into dialectical behavioral therapy. This is how they treat borderline personality disorder. It's a skills-based therapy. It's one third interpersonal effectiveness skills, which is how learning how to talk to other people, get your needs met all these like amazing, simple skills that I didn't ever Learn like I became a people pleaser. I put everybody else first before me. I didn't know how to ask people for things. I didn't know how to. I I was a burden. I had believed I was a burden. I was too sensitive. I was too much. There was stuff wrong with me. No, I learned how to talk to other people and get my needs met. Um, then it was one third emotional regulation. That's what I needed, guys. That's what I needed. Like I had been on one on one therapy with Margaret, and it had been amazing because she helped me process things that had been going on in my life, traumas that I had buried, we pulled them out and we looked at them and uncovered them. And it was awesome. I owe so much to my time with Margaret. I loved my having that experience. Um, dialectal behavioral therapy though, when they taught me how to feel, that's what I needed. When I talk about how learning how to feel, it's like literally kind of what I did in rehab going, how, how do I feel right now in my body? Do I have tension somewhere? Am I relaxed? Um, Am I happy? Like, what does it feel like to be happy? Like, you know, going into the body and grounding and feeling and writing it down and saying it out loud. And what do I do when I feel this way? Like, what do I do when I get overwhelmed? Because my first day in dialectical behavioral therapy, like a girl pissed me off because I didn't, it's something stupid. Like, I didn't think she was listening to me enough or I thought she was rude, whatever it was. I can't remember, but I got up and stormed out of my first group. <laughs> I was like that angry person there the first day. It was like all pissy and miserable. And I stormed out and I came back and uh, I don't, you know, I don't storm off anymore like that. And it, that was a problem I had though. I had anger. It's an anger outburst <laughs> and rumination, keeping anger around for weeks, not letting it go. These were problems I had that I dealt with and I learned about. And the last third of dialectal behavioral therapy 
because it's one third mindfulness, one third interpersonal effectiveness skills, and one third emotional regulation. Well, that mindfulness is what I needed. Remember I said, I couldn't ever sit still. I couldn't sit still. I didn't want to be with myself. I hated myself. Um, when the police officers took me to the psych ward, they were like, I know you're not your best friend right now, but I promise you one day you will be. And he's right. And that made my book. <laughs> I keep saying it's in the book, it's in the book because the book is like, you guys, this is my pet project in my life. <laughs> I've been working on this book for so long. Like it, I hope it explains everything, how you all want to hear it and see it. So you can be with me there. Um, so I did dialectical behavioral therapy. And it, at the same time, I titrated off my pills. Um, and I remember at that point I was taking 24 pills a day. So it took eight months. I was multiple prescriptions because you get a prescription for one thing and then you get a prescription for something else. And then you need a prescription for something else because everything has a side effect. And all of a sudden you're on a bazillion pills and your whole life is chained to it and you're sick forever and you're broken and you feel it's just awful. The pill route is awful. Rockefeller medicine had no idea because I was still totally asleep. You guys totally asleep to this world. I haven't said that yet, but maybe you know that maybe you don't. I had an, okay, we're going to get to it. So <laughs> it's about to like jump the gun here. So I get off my pills. I start, something starts happening. I start waking up. I start feeling more alive. I start feeling better as I'm getting off my pills. And this is literally right in 20, like I got, it was August night. August 2019, when I found out I was not bipolar, I hopped right into dialectical behavioral therapy, completed it in two months. It's a, like a year of therapy usually, but I did it um, intensive outpatient where inpatient is when you live in a, um, like I, when I was in rehab, I went inpatient. I stayed the night I lived there. Um, and then outpatient therapy, which I had done multiple group therapies. I have done so much therapy. It's, I've probably done it. If it's out there, I've done it. Cognitive behavioral therapy, um, dialectical behavioral therapy, group therapy, one-on-one -on -one rehab, NA, all these things, um, hypnosis, EMR, EMDR, tap therapy, all of it. I've done it. Um, and I, uh, so I, I, I completed, uh, dialectical and I felt better. And I, I joined, I also joined a once a week group right after. So this is all about uh, winter 2020. And we all know what happens winter 2020, the pandemic COVID starts rolling out and I'm coming off my pills. What a time, right. To, uh, be someone who had major anxiety and problems feeling, um, to get off her pills that numbed her right about when all this bullshit's happening in the world. And I'm so afraid of COVID. I started looking for N95 masks in January because I was an NPR on the hour type person, like world news on the hour. I knew what was going on. Um, I listened to NPR all the time. I knew what was going on in Wuhan. Um, I had, I was like, I got to get my masks, but it will never come to that. Oh, I should. And in February, I was going to the pharmacy with my kitchen gloves on, a trench coat and sunglasses because I was scared of catching COVID. I was yelling at people who got too close to me without a mask on, like literally people walking by my house. I would be like, I'd be walking to my car, be like, you guys need to get out of the way of the sidewalk so I can walk to my car. And I just like, I was crazy. I was like, it, I was so afraid of catching COVID. I thought I could catch it in my eyeballs and I thought I was going to die. I was healthy and young 
I, but I thought I was going to die because I was totally, totally asleep. I trusted the government. Um, I, I had no idea what was going on in this world. So I'm getting off these pills and I'm waking up like my consciousness is coming alive and COVID's happening. And I just like in the Black Lives Matter stuff was happening. Like the first time I really left my house was to go to a Black Lives Matter protest. And I remember being so afraid, like I had to go and take pictures with my camera. Like I live in Austin. I wanted to go and be part of the march and get in the middle of the march and take pictures. And I remember doing it and being like, oh, my God, I'm going to catch COVID. And but I need to do this. I need to play my part because I should have white guilt because I was still asleep to everything. And I was still doing my dialectical behavioral therapy. And one of the methods was this loving kindness meditation. So this is this is when things started really shifting for me. I'm afraid if this is where I'm at. It's 2020. I'm off my pills almost completely. This is uh, spring 2020. And I am super afraid of COVID. I'm still believing the narrative. I don't, I think the government's my friend. I didn't even realize big pharma was bad at this time. <laughs> you can believe that. Like I literally like had no idea. Um, I trusted everything and I felt bad for being white. because <laughs> it was a big thing at that time. And I hated Donald Trump, but I was doing this. Um, like I was when he, I have a chapter in my book about this. It's one of my favorite chapters called loving kindness meditation works. Cause I started doing a loving kindness meditation as a skill for dialectical behavioral therapy, where I had to think of myself and offer myself love, success to be free from suffering, um, happiness, good health. And then I would think of who I hated more than anyone in this world and offer them the same. Because if I could love my enemies like that, then I would have none, right? Like, why not? If I can expand my heart to love who I hate more than anyone in this world, like, that's awesome, right? So I did it. And Donald, it was between Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump. I decided to do it on Donald Trump. And, and I hated how he was handling the COVID pandemic. So it was perfect. I love Fauci at this time too, which barf vomit. Now I had a t-shirt. This is my testimony. You know, I got to share. I had a t-shirt that said Fauci like Gucci. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I had a Como shirt too with hearts on his eyes. Just like I hook, line and sinker for big pharma and the bipolar diagnosis, I hook, line and sinker for the narrative and the agenda. I know what it's like to believe in lies and to buy it completely. So I started doing this loving kindness meditation daily to Trump. And after about a month of doing it, something happened. I had a thought in my head and I was like, why do I hate him so much? I was just like, why do I, why do I even hate him? What, what is it? Like, and then I started realizing that the news only reported negative stuff about him. But if I switched the station, I saw positive things and I saw him in a different light. I started wondering who are the people that actually support Donald Trump, especially women. Like how could any women like grab him by the pussy Donald? You know what I mean? He cheated on supposedly cheated on his pregnant wife with a hooker or not a hooker, a, 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 a porn star, um, you know, like who, who what women would like him. So I went online and I start looking up uh, tr Trump supporters and looking for female accounts on Instagram. And I realized that these women seem really normal and they seem really nice. And they all seem to have this hashtag save the children. I was like, what is this save the children thing? 
Like I didn't, I'd never seen that before. So I started looking into that and that was literally like a tiptoe I see now into the rabbit hole. So that basically led me to learn that what fake news meant that Donald Trump actually had been doing all these things to stop child trafficking and like passing laws to help thwart child trafficking. And he was helping children and doing all he was actually not the bad guy that I thought he was. I mean, I'm not saying he's a good guy. I actually think that they're all part of it. This game, Um, they all play their part. But learning to love the person that I hated more than anyone shifted my heart and showed me that I was being played. Basically, I was not getting all the information. So I started expanding more and trying to figure out what was going on. And this is June 2020. And I'm getting off my final pill, my antidepressant. And I tried killing myself. I'd been doing great. I'd been fine. And then I had an episode and I literally took a knife to my wrist. That's the only time in my life I've ever actually like attempted. And it's in my book. Uh, The details are in there. But that prompted me to take two grams of penis envy mushrooms because this is this was my church. This was my way I connected to God was I took these psychedelics and I, I, you know, I, I went somewhere. I, I went to the spirit world for my answers and I experienced a rebirth that night. Like I took, there's a chapter in the book called baptism that explains everything that happened that night. I wrote a letter to God and I said, this is what I said earlier. We're going to talk about God. Now we're going to talk about God. I wrote a letter to God that day because I thought, you know, here I am. They told me I was bipolar and broken and I had my answer and that was wrong. And and now I'm off the pills and you know, nothing's ever worked. And now I tried killing myself. Um, I have no purpose anymore. And I gave my life to God in that moment. I wrote a letter to God and I said, you take my life. Um, you kept me alive. Um, I didn't kill myself today. And so you can use me as a vessel. And I wrote it down and I took the mushrooms and I was reborn that night. It was one of the most profound experiences I've ever had, obviously. Um, I had started realizing that I was seeing the spirit world. Um, It didn't totally make sense to me for a little while longer, which is so crazy, but we're going to talk about that. But in my darkest moments, I've gone to God. The same thing in rehab. I write about this. There's a chapter in my book called, Hey God, it's Kara. Remember me? And it's beautiful. I talk about the times in my darkest despairs. I've gone to God and God's spoken to me and God listened and God fixed things. And it's always been God for me. I didn't grow up a little about me. I did not grow up going to church. I'm not, I don't consider myself a religious person. I feel like it's all so corrupt by design. I never believed in the Bible. I said, this is tall tales. I thought Jesus Christ never lived. What a joke. Um, Yeah, I didn't believe in any of it. I had no knowledge on religion or anything of that. Uh, 
I just, what I, my parents never talked to me about God. Um, none of it. I'd never opened a Bible none of it. They repulsed me all of it by design. Um, and, but the God to me was what I was, I mean, I took these psychedelics and I would leave the world. I would leave this dimension. I would see things. I would hear things. It was beyond this world. And that became God to me. Um, you know, that I thought that was taking me closer to God and it felt that way. And then I'm not here to say what things are. I'm sharing my story. Um, but that night I was reborn. Um, and I realized looking back, it was because I gave my life to God. I literally said, I want nothing. There's no success for me. There's no material thing for me. I've traveled the world. I've done everything I've wanted to do. And I wanted to, and I tried killing myself. So God, you want me alive? Use me as a vessel and speak through me. I will be a vessel for you. I will give my life for you because you kept me alive. And I, I met God that night. And I was, the scales were taken off my eyes. I see now. I see now what it all is. It takes time. It can't happen instantly. Wait, it called it awakening. Call it what you want, guys. God's taking the scales off our eyes because we've been kept in denial our whole lives because he loves us and it's too much to see what's going on here. It's why I believe the pills worked. We're going to work. It's why I trusted the government. It's why I thought this world, I didn't believe Satanist exists. I remember saying that once uh, years back. Um, I don't know. No one could actually worship the devil. Yeah, right. Evil doesn't exist. That's a lie. Um, but after this night, this was June 10th, 2020. I, uh, nothing was the same. And after that, the next couple months, I, um, somehow I met up with, is, you know, COVID still going on. I'm still afraid. I'm, you know, had this whole experience with God and yet I'm still asleep to what's happening in this world though I'm starting to get it because I saw my, my toe into the rabbit hole of Save the Children and that Donald Trump was not who I thought. He was not um, as horrible as made out. And when he said fake news, well, he was right. The news was fake. So about this time, I met up with these this group <laughs> and uh, they were a church, uh, like a pagan church. And uh, they were doing Zoom moon circles and this was new to me, but I was looking for something to do. So I thought I'll do this. I need to socialize. Right. So I started, um, full moon circles, this group. And that was where I learned about Ascension. So I'm sharing in one of these circles and I'm talking about everything going on with me because I'm experiencing, I'm telling you I'm experiencing an awakening. I'm starting to like I got off these pills. I'm finally feeling better. I, I think I started, I probably lost like 50 pounds. My body's feeling better. Um, I'm coming out of this hibernation. Um, got, I've been reborn. Like I, I saw God, like all this stuff is going on with me. And, and they're like, oh, it's Ascension. You're ascending Kara. And I was like, it's what? Ascension. And oh, okay. That's, that's, that's going on. They're like, yeah, the age of Aquarius is coming in. This is just what you're experiencing. Um, this is all the light codes coming in. You're okay. Awesome. And so I'm start getting into the moon stuff. I start getting into the rituals. Um, and I decided to do ayahuasca with the group. 
So I go do ayahuasca and I had this crazy powerful experience, which is not, you know, of course I did. The one time I did DMT, I blasted off this world. Like the hundreds of times I've done psychedelics, like I leave the dimension. Like I see things, I see spirits. I, they communicate with me. I can like, I knew that ayahuasca would be profound and it was, and I have a whole, whole meaty chapter in my book about it called unexpected return home. And it was, whoo, it's not for everyone. Um, ayahuasca, but you could hear demons coming out of people. Like you purge an ayahuasca and these energies come out of you. And these are demons coming out. Like literally, like we all have energies stuck, call it dark, stuck energy, call it a program, call it a demon, whatever word you want to use. This isn't, we're not here to judge each other. We're just trying to communicate with words. And it was a huge purging of darkness out of me. And Kali, I saw Kali come to me. Like I had, I had seen Ganesh and Buddha appear on psychedelics. Like I've got my eyes open and I'm not, I never channeled anything in. I never called anything in. I never practiced magic. I just took the psychedelics and opened myself up. And then I would see things like Ganesh appeared in front of me, the Hindi God, um, elephant head once. And I didn't know this was after seeing like eyeballs shooting out of my friend's head and like moving energy and like seeing what I thought were past lives, which is just the Akashic record, which we're going to talk about more in a little bit. Um, I, I didn't know it, but I was a, I'm a seer. They call it a seer. I didn't know this. It's someone who can see the spirit world. I just thought everybody experienced this. I also am a very natural channel. So spirits would talk to me. That's what I started hearing. All, like when I did the summer of fun, I remember the first time the voices started coming to me and talking to me. And I just, I, I was so used to hearing voices in my head because I had like these dark, honestly, demonic programs running in my head, telling me I was fat and a loser and that I should kill myself and horrible stuff all the time, making me miserable. I had so many going on. I couldn't think straight. But then Katie told me, you know, I said that, that she told me in that moment, those voices aren't you. I let that go. But I also would receive these really friendly, like spirit guides that would come to me and talk to me on mushrooms and I could ask them anything and they would show me things. And I've experienced things so wild and beyond this world. Like I learned the spirit world was a thing before I knew what it was. I was, like I said, seeing and channeling and all this stuff without trying um, leaving my body, all the stuff that people really seek out and then to do, I was doing naturally astral projection. All I was just like, uh, naturally like lucid dreamer, all of that was just, that's just who I was. So it wasn't weird to me. And I thought everybody else did it, but, um, you know, so I saw Ganesh and I didn't, I didn't know who Ganesh was. I had to look it up. Sa same thing with Kali, this big, blue spirit with this clanking skulls around her neck and her red tongue out came to me. Like the spirit world is a thing. You guys, like I'm not here to convince anyone. I'm just here to share what I've experienced. Like it's invisible, but it's here all the time. And it is these invisible forces that we are up against. And I don't know what's good and bad. I'm not here to, I don't nothing is what I'm really starting to see, but I do know how to see through the veil. I understand what that is. Buddha had come to me so many times on my mushroom trips. Um, and he would just appear and he never told me he was God or anything like that. I never thought Buddha was God or anything. I always believed in the highest of high, like something, but just beyond this world, like 
of course, it's probably same God that everybody, I didn't know what the religion saw and stuff, but that everybody's believing. And I just assumed everybody believed in the same God. The week after I did ayahuasca, I, uh, I learned about MK ultra. It came to my reality. Um, that's trauma-based mind control. This is an operation the CIA did in the 1950s. This came from project paperclip after the, uh, Nazi war, world war one or world war two. And the, uh, basically like when that ended, we brought a bunch of these high Nazi scientists over the United States. Um, to, why? I don't know. We put them all throughout the government. It's, it was just like, what a mistake, what a bad thing, but trauma-based mind control. And then I learned about project, um, Mockingbird, Operation Mockingbird. And that was basically using the news and the media as propaganda machines and that, quote, it wouldn't be complete until people had no idea. Well, I looked at myself and I was like, I fell for it completely. I trusted the news completely. And so God started showing me slowly what was going on. And then I just kept going because that's how I do it. I'm dedicated. I got my hands on the Great Awakening map, which is basically the treasure map for rabbit holes. And I realized I had debunked like the top right corner about psychedelics and all this stuff about leaving your body and astral projection and spirits and spirit world. And I was like, well, this is all real. I've seen it. Like, let me look at what else is on here. And I start looking at all this stuff. And, you know, I've gotten been getting involved in this new age group and we're doing moon ceremonies and I'm learning about magic. And they um, start telling me about how COVID is not what you think. And I start learning. Um, and I take my, you know, by then, of course I, I had to take my mask off truly to do ayahuasca. That was the big, big switch for me was I knew that I'd be in a room with 30 people and I'd be exposed and I just had to do it. So I did it. And that was so powerful because everybody has to take the mask off eventually when it comes to the COVID thing. You guys have patience with people. I was totally afraid. And then I slowly came out of it. And by the fall, I knew it was a lie. I knew it was, we were being lied to. It was all, it's hard to explain how it all came out to me, but that's why I've written a book. Um, but this is just, again, kind of the outline. So I'm making good friends with these new people in this group, this new age group, for lack of a better term, that's what they are. Like the ones who taught me about Ascension. They're the reason I named my cat divine that I got in 2020. Um, and, uh, I started, you know, speaking their lingo and doing their thing and saw myself at meetings with them where they were talking about building communities and getting off the grid and that January tw or December 20th, this big thing was going to happen and the new earth was going to come in and the grid was probably going to come all this crazy stuff. Now I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have to get out of this. But I ended up leaving that group in the fall because I was just like these people like doing a ceremony over and over and over again. And they're never integrating and they're never healing. And they're just toxic. It was toxic and I had to get away. So by the grace of God, I was pulled out of that, but I kept some friends. And one of the people I stayed friends with was a girl that we did psychedelics together a few times. And she called herself a witch and she loved doing witchy things. And, uh, she channeled and she did tarot and she introduced me to her witchy friends. And I saw myself learning about witchcraft and learning and calling my, starting to call myself a witch a little bit and making spell candles and all this stuff and trying to manifest. And I, other friends that I was friends with that came into my life were telling me about manifestation and sun gazing and copper pyramids and crystals and all this magic, 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 magic. Not that I needed any of it because I 
had my, my awakening started before I learned about Ascension, before I learned about the great awakening, before I learned about the, all this new age stuff that was trying to hook line and harvest and take in what was actually happening in this world is just God taking the scales off of our eyes and waking us up. They're just trying to like paint it as something different. And I saw myself speaking that language. Um, I had a whole introduction for my book written, which maybe I'll put in for fun, which I am like talking all about this stuff, the grand conjunction and all in the 2020 and the great awakening, all this stuff. And now I'm just like, oh my God, it was just like, I got hooked into this new age stuff. So I'm doing psychedelics that fall with my new friend. She opened, she would open circles before we did mushrooms. We did psychedelics three times together, three significant times. And, um, she's the one, like when I started telling her about the voice that I would hear when I did psychedelics and on and like what I would see and stuff. She would bless her heart. Cause she's the one who explained it to me. She's like, Oh, you're a seer, you're a channeler and all this stuff. And I was like, what? Like, that's what, um, it, that's how asleep I was. I seriously had no idea that I was seeing the spirit world. Like it was just normal to me when I did these things. Um, but she and so she and I started doing psychedelics together in 10, 10, 2020. She opens the circle. We are, I'm learning about aliens. That's where I'm at. I never believed in aliens. September 2020. I said, this is a total lie. And this is bullshit. Past lives, total lie, bullshit. And then all of a sudden we have this experience. We, I just like, I talk about this in my book. I have a whole chapter. Like I dated that guy who was into the occult and taught me how to evoke ghosts. And cause I didn't believe in ghosts either. Um, but you have to invite them in. I don't recommend to anybody. I also don't recommend you invite aliens in. I don't believe in aliens anymore. It's a whole, we're going to talk about that. Um, not the word, I, not that these things, spirits don't exist and they don't look what, what they say aliens look like. It's just alien just means foreign. <laughs> like, let's get more specific here. This is, um, this is like possibly the fallen angels. This is the spirit world. This is beyond this. This is different than just aliens coming from other planets. Okay, guys, she opens a circle. We, call in aliens. We want it to happen. We give our permission. I bought Moldavite because I heard this crystal is supposed to help me, um, you know, uh, bring aliens in and all this. And, and, uh, so, well, magic's real guys. I asked her projected out of my body that mushroom trip during the day and literally mind melded with a being and it came into my body and I could see it and it stayed with me for like an hour and it did all these it, it's, this is real unbelievable stuff happened to me. Magic is real and it's very powerful and we need to be so careful with it. I was asking for full DNA activation because I was in the new age and this is what everybody was doing. And I wanted all my DNA to be activated. Um, well, these beings came to me and I saw them. I saw grays. I saw Lyrans, what people call Lyrans, cat faces. I saw Meta like Metatron. I saw all that sacred geometry f- flashing. I saw these beings would come as energy and, and the, the psychic abilities that I have, for lack of a better word, senses beyond the five. Um, I would know when an energy would come and I would know when it would connect with me. And uh, my vision got 25% more colorful and sharper. Um, my ability, I don't need, I all of a sudden I didn't need psychedelics to see orbs and spirits anymore. I was seeing them like during the day. 
I was able to channel and access information about people and anything I wanted, like I could on mushrooms, because these are things that I could do really easily on mushrooms. I mean, it's just like, I don't even know how to describe it, but I could start all the abilities that the magic mushrooms would usually evoke to me start happening. Like I could, it would just like happen to me in the day. So I did these experiences with this girl and she opened these circles and we had a couple more mushroom trips where we did this and more beings came. I remember one time we were in Ingram doing grid work because <laughs> we were new age and that's what new agers do. They're doing grid work. They're healing the land and helping Gaia and all this stuff. And, um, and, uh, we took psychedelics. She opened a circle as she did. I've never opened a circle. Like I always intuitively felt like I don't do this. I, I don't do this. I not, um, I would just be there for it. And sure enough, more of these, wild interdimensional beings or whatever they are, spirits, fallen angels came. And I walked outside and we were in the middle of nowhere in Ingram, Texas. And I look up at the stars. And I'm so, I remember being so overwhelmed because I knew every single one of those stars wanted to talk to me. Every single one of those stars wanted to come down from the sky. Cause that's what they do. They come down as these orbs, you know, like this light. That's what they come down. You guys, the stars are projectors. The stars are projectors. Yeah. Projecting our lives into this planet. They all wanted to come to me and it was so overwhelming. And I looked across the field in front of us and I saw this animal jump over a fence with red eyes and start running at me uh, like it was coming out of the pits of hell. And I, I ran in the house and I was like, told my friend, I was like, there's a hellhound after me. Turns out this is like something biblical. These hellhounds are real. I saw one once. Like that's not the only darkness I experienced. These times when I never had bad psychedelic trips of my own I never did and I always did them alone right mostly but the times I did them with this girl when she opened these circles there were a couple moments where I was so scared and I knew that we were dealing with something beyond this world and it was we had to do things like stomp on the ground and chant and like throw black salt and like magic's real guys like I like don't know like what kind of magic you practice or what you think of it if it's just like manifestation to you and working with the days and the hours and that there's a deeper magic and it's bigger than you realize and you guys this is like pits of hell shit like I'm not kidding like you've got to be careful um so those experiences opened me up to realize how magic could be used incorrectly but also that it was real and I changed. I wasn't the same. And I would go ahead and say this is probably like a third eye activation fully. Um, but I learned, you know, after doing a few trips with her, like I at one time was with her and um, she she told me about the Galactic Federation. Um, she had been channeled, they channeled her. This is some concept that there's this Galactic Federation out there that's here to help humanity, these good aliens here to help humanity. As if humanity needs help, we have God. But, um, uh basically like i'm with her and we're tripping and i'm in my backyard and all of a sudden this being jumps into me and i had learned that i there's certain types of psychics and some of them can have possession and it's where an energy a spirit jumps into your vessel into your body and speaks through your mouth this has happened to me like when i had my baptism i spoke out my mouth something spoke through me and i Again, the book is explains all of this, like verbatim. Like I can, my memory on mushrooms is like way too good. 
But I learned that, you know, this is one of the things that can happen to me. And one of these beings jumped into me and I heard myself say, you're looking at a member of the Orion Council of the Light in the flesh. And I had been, these Galactic Federation beings had started coming to me because I started speaking to a medium fall 2020 as I was waking up. A friend introduced me to a medium and she knew after I had that experience on 1010 when I asked her projected on my body and that being came into my body and I saw it and everything, she knew about it when I spoke to her and I hadn't told her anything, she's like, there's a star being with you. And oh my gosh, there's all these star beings with you. I don't normally see star beings with people. And it was because we were calling them in and like giving them permission. When you're going through an awakening, like I did, like imagine 2020 winter, I'm coming off these pills and I start learning that everything's quote unquote fake, that like this COVID's not dangerous, but they're telling us it is. And they're closing the world down. This doesn't make sense. The government's lying. History's a lie. They're doing all these things against us. Like all that stuff you start learning. I learned it like a, like in a week. And like, I had no, like, I couldn't talk to my partner about it. He wasn't with where I was. My family thought I was crazy. My friends thought I was insane. My best friend. I remember her and, and my boyfriend one day being like, we don't understand what's going on with you and Donald Trump. And they're like storming out of the room and like people calling me racist and fighting with me. And they didn't get what was going on with me. I had no one to talk to. So I turned on to online shamanic medicines and I'm with this new age wound group and everybody's teaching me magic and people are opening circles around me. And I was vulnerable and I needed a name for what was going on with me because I was experiencing a profound awakening. I really was like, I thought I was writing a, my book, Here Comes Trouble, about first um, being bipolar. Then I thought it was about being misdiagnosed. Then I thought it was about um, waking up and then I into the matrix and simulation. Then I thought it was about learning about aliens and past lives, because when I'm doing these trips, I started seeing what looked like past lives. When I did these trips, these mushroom trips with this girl fall 2020 when she was opening struggles and stuff like I connect, I became the acoustic records. Like I be, I learned what that was by connecting to it and becoming the infinite oneness of knowledge where you could, I could access anything. Like I'd look at her at my friends when I was tripping and be like, you guys ask me anything. I can tell you anything right now because I knew I was connected to something that was giving me every, like literally like a Google in my mind for anything. Like people have told me, when I've told him I'm reading the Bible, oh, you need to read Manly P. Hall's book of all the magic of all ages. And I want to be like, please, people, do you have any idea what's been shown to me on psychedelics? Like I went so deep. I had no clue how activated I got. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how easily I was able to access the spirit world and magic and learn not from a book, <laughs> but from the fallen angels themselves, essentially. Okay, guys, that's that's kind of where I'm at now. And that's what I'm getting to. Don't worry, it's all gonna make sense. This is absolutely a testimony and my story. Um, but I learned the Akashic Records is a thing. What is it really? I don't know. Is past lives? I've got a lot of questions there. Um, I actually don't think it's what we think that we're reborn and do it. Like, I don't think we do that. I actually think consciousness is something different. And karmic trap is a trap. And that's what reincarnation is a trap of the same consciousness just coming back in different ways. Not like what we think at all. I believe time is slapped on top of each other and layered and it's not linear at all. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation and a whole nother thing to talk about, but I was deceived and I really believed that 
um, aliens. Oh my God, aliens are a thing. And I was seeing ships and I, there are orbs in the sky. I've seen them move around and I've seen what you call a UFO in the sky. I've seen things flash in the sky and all sorts of crazy things. It's yeah, there's stuff out there, but we don't know. I've seen a grid. I've seen the dome, you know, maybe it's a firmament, you know, like I don't, there's something there. This world's not what we think like this stuff's going on, but I got deceived that it was all age of Aquarius coming in all new age. I was ascending. That's it. Um, at this point, I still didn't believe the Bible. I, it was anything. It was, I was blasphemizing it probably on podcasts. I still didn't believe I thought Jesus is fake still at this point. I just want to say this This is important. Um, and this is basically 2021 ringing in. So I had all these experiences and this is when I started here comes trouble really. And I went on my friend Maria's podcast and I wanted to talk about what was going on with me. And I did, and I, you know, I was still in it. I didn't really know what was, you know, if you listen to that episode, you're going to hear a different Kara. So I start sharing and I, but I need more. So I book a session with a shaman and it paid a thousand dollars because I wanted more activations. Um, like it wasn't enough at this point. I mean, seriously, what more did I want? I had all these abilities that all of my friends that I was meeting in the new age were like, trying to manifest that they would be seers and that they could channel do all stuff. And I was just like able to do it naturally, but I wanted more. I wanted more. I was still searching, searching, searching. So I booked the session and I had this profound session with him. And I literally in this session, he walked me into what he claimed was the first stage of enlightenment. And it made sense to me. It did. It made sense to me because of everything that had happened to me and that I discovered and seen beyond this world. And after that, I started channeling for other people as a job. And if any of you listening had a, mess, a session with me, it was probably really powerful. Um, I know that I do connect to the spirit world and I can bring energies in, but do I know what I'm doing? No, not fully. Who does? We don't really know, but I would see I would channel in and I would get visions of people's lives and information would come to me and guides would come to me. Um, I was like hearing things like Ishtar and Isis and Aphrodite. I was hearing all these names, these guides in my head, and I didn't know who they were. And I'd look them up and I'd be like, oh my God, this is someone speaking to me and showing me this stuff. And I was learning all this, these things and I'd share them with people. And it was blowing my mind because I would be like, spot on with everybody, everything I was saying, they'd be like, how did you know that? Oh my gosh. Yes. And I always thought this and oh my God, they'd be, they'd be crying. And these sessions were so profound. I kept doing it, but in my head, I knew, and I'd said this on some podcasts. I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this. I don't think I'm going to channel for a long time. So if you want to do this, get a session now. And it wasn't cheap. I was charging $120 an hour and many people were tipping me 50 bucks because these, like I said, these sessions were profound. I had found the Akashic records and information was being given to me that from these angels, from these spirits and something happened to me. So spring, we're at spring 2020 and I, this girl that I had been doing magic stuff with tells me about Doreen Virtue. And I'm like, who's this? And she's like, well, she was a uh, channeler and she did angel cards and she was huge in the new age. And then all of a sudden she had this um, Christ awakening. And now she's like, she's totally lost it. And she re rebukes all of her stuff. And she says, Buddha's bad. Get rid of your bed. I'm like, what? 
And this shook me to the core to think that anybody could think that this stuff that I was doing was wrong and that Buddha was bad. Buddha was never to me bad, never did anything bad, never said anything bad. Like I said, Buddha had come to me a lot and spoken to me. And at one time, I remember, I like to tell people this. I asked Buddha, like, are you just with me right now? This is amazing. And he laughed and said, no, I can send my energy anywhere to anyone and I can become the wind. And then he became the wind and I can become the trees. And that's how it was shown that I do believe God is everything. God is in everything and that everything is connected. But um, I get freaked out. Suddenly I'm like, wait, am I on a the wrong path. Like what I had no idea. I need to look at this because I know how real it is to be on the wrong path and to be fooled and deceived and be gullible because I had been my whole life by this world, believing in the government, believing the education system was good, believing this that that darkness wasn't and evil wasn't real. So I started, I freaked out and I had I, I did. And I prayed to God. I went to God again. This is the third time in my chapter in my book when I Hey God, it's care. Remember me. I talk about this, the time in rehab, I went to God and my baptism went to God. I talk about how profound God is and how in these moments, that's who I've gone to and who I've received answers from. It's God. I don't manifest. I do nothing like that. I go to God and write a letter. Um, and I ask God for clarity because I was like, what the heck? Why would anybody question this stuff? I have to look into it because I'm not going to discount people because that got me in a lot of trouble before. So I prayed. And I was very confused. And this was May, 2021. And you know, this is when I, I had been so busy doing channeling sessions. I had to block off appointments because it was, I was too busy. I was like racking in the money. People were loving it. It was really helping. It was helping people. These were profound channeling sessions. And, but all of a sudden I started putting a pause on it and I had a channeling session right after this with a girl who I love very much. You know, who you are, if you're listening and I saw Jesus. And this was the first time Jesus came into my psychic plane. And I was embarrassed to have to tell her that Jesus was there. That was my response when I saw Jesus in my psychic plane. I was like, what are you doing here? And he was like, hey, I am here to tell you to tell her that she needs to redefine her relationship with religion. And I was like, all right. So I gave her the message. And in the session, this beautiful rainbow light came in and it was so powerful. And it was Jesus. And this was huge for me because I didn't believe Jesus was real. So I was very confused why I'm seeing him in my psychic plane. Why is this profound being coming? I don't believe in him. I literally thought he was a, a joke, uh, that everybody was fooled. Um, these Bible belt believers, they're all fooled. They're confused. They're that Bible is all crap and they're just, you know, bought and they're, you know, all of that, like they're wrong. And, but here's Jesus showing up. Well, Jesus didn't leave me. Usually after a channeling session, that's it. Like I don't see the spirits or hear from them anymore, but Jesus literally like was in my office for like at least the next month. I would be sitting at my computer and I'd see all the corner of my eye. What, manifested as Jesus. And the guides have always told me, God has always told me, my spirit guides, that things are shown to you in the psychic plane, how you can understand them. So I'm not saying this is what Jesus is, like totally looked like 
for everybody or when he was alive and stuff. But he was showing up to me like the dude. And he was kind of like leaning over and like passing me a joint because that's something I do. I do. I smoke weed. I still do that. And that's how he reached me. And he, if you were following me last spring, I started doing these lives. I was doing lives where I would cry and talk about Jesus and how sad I was that he died on the cross. And like it, it's beyond this. I don't even know how to put words to it because this, this activation of Jesus coming into my life happened to me through the psychic plane. And I started learning that Jesus had lived. He was real. He was in fact, God, um, God sent himself down here in form because of what was going on in this world. And it took probably five months from May to probably August, September, but I started getting all the answers I had prayed about. I started seeing how deceiving the new age was. Um, I started realizing that it was in fact a trap for vulnerable people who are waking up and it is not a path for me. And this is one of the most confusing stretches of my awakening that I never thought would come. Um, here I was in 2020 doing all this magic stuff, doing all this new age stuff that I'd never done before. Um, and then I learned that it was founded about 200 years ago by people. And I will be doing more podcasts talking about this. And I've done some with my friend Misty and eyes on the right talk. And I talk about this. These are the new age roots are connected to the new world order. This is about a, the one world government. This is about a one world religion. It's all part of the same package and it's extremely deceiving. And I believe that they're trying to make people believe that we are God, like we are gods. And I don't believe that at all. I believe there is a God, one God, um, one highest. Now I can't tell you exactly what that is. It's not Baphomet. It's not Baal. It's not Lucifer. It's not Satan. It's none of the darkness. I started learning that the Masons who run this world essentially created the government and all this stuff, like study Luciferianism actually and the magic and all of that. And that this stuff was actually like forbidden in the Bible. And I was like, what? Why? Why? What's the problem? What's the problem with this magic stuff? Well, I had seen a little bit in myself how opening yourself up to the spirit world opens you up to a lot of darkness too. I don't believe there's any magic that one can do without a sacrifice happening of sorts. Maybe it's happening to someone else on the other side of the world that you don't even know. I don't know, but there's a cause and effect for all of that. And I just started realizing that even astrology was done by Helena Bladaskafi, I can never say her name, who was connected to like Aleister Crawley and Anton Levy and all these dark people who were connected to Hollywood who was connected to CIA, who was connected to this MK Ultra, to this monarch programming, all everything started connecting that it was very much a conflict of interest that Helena Balda, I can't say her name, God like never lets me say her name, had written a book called like Lucifer. And she believed that Lucifer was the angel, like a good angel. And I don't, I don't believe that Lucifer is a good angel. I don't believe the most deceiving angel who dresses himself as an angel of light um, was good. Um, and I am not here to like lay out all the facts. I'm just sharing my story. And 
this was really all very hard for me, but with my psychic abilities, my intuition, my extreme sensitivity, I have been led, I had been led to leave. Like, think of it like this is what happened. I started looking backwards and that's how things really made sense to me. I left that new age group fall 2020 because it didn't feel right. I stopped opening circles and practicing magic because it didn't feel right. Um, Spring 2020, I stopped charging my crystals under the moon because it didn't feel right. I had put my tarot cards away at um, spring 2022 because I'd gotten back into that because I was really good at it. It was easy for me. I was channeling too because I didn't need it. I was like, I don't need it. I'm going to put them away, but it didn't feel right. And then I started, it's like one by one, I started getting all these answers and seeing that the stuff I was doing was not right. And so it's wild, but I started, I started reading the Bible. This is, I have a degree in English, um, literary interpretation, and I never, ever, ever opened a Bible. I thought it was all, you know, you hear everybody say, oh, it's edited. It's missing stuff. It's, um, it's lies. It's indoc- It's indoctrinating you in a new way. It's missing all of these written by men. And okay, think whatever you want, but put all of those thoughts on every single book ever written because everything's been edited. Everything's been censored. But when I started reading the Bible, it was tying all the everything together that I was thinking because I had gotten big into the truther movement. I'd gotten big into the rabbit holes. Everything was dark. I was walking around my house, like telling my boyfriend, like they're all pedophiles. They're all Satanists. And I started learning the symbols over the summer. Cause I was part of what Jesus coming to my life showed me the symbols. I was suddenly able to read, look at anything and be able to go, Oh, that means this, this means that this is how they're connected to the darkness and the agenda. It just all started making sense to me, which is why I am now co-hosting not so secret societies podcast with eyes on the right. She is a huge, huge piece of me learning this language of the satanic elite and me seeing how it all tied to Babylon. It all tied to Noah flooding the flood. It all I understood reading the Bible. Had I ever looked at the stories before, I wouldn't have gotten it because I'd have been like, why does Jesus need to cast out demons? There's no demons. I didn't believe in demons. I didn't believe demonic energies existed spring 2021. I didn't. I didn't believe in the darkness. I didn't really believe in evil, but then it all came to me and I saw it and I saw how magic had been abused. It's not the little things that we're all doing. It's that humanity has been put under a spell, guys. That's why God doesn't want us to do magic because it's controlling us. And I can see it because I was totally asleep for 37 years completely. And then I fell for all this new age mumbo jumbo and crap that I never needed. And all this stuff. And I just, I saw how vulnerable people can be taken astray. And I just started seeing all the evil and corruption in this world. It all made sense to me. It just all got started tying together. And so I found reading the Bible, the threads that were missing in this whole awakening that I was having, that I understood finally why Jesus came, why God sent himself here, and why we needed him, and what sin meant that we were missing the mark. Not that we were just drinking and swearing and stuff, you guys. Missing the mark, meaning you're living a life where you don't have God, where you're not 
you're opening circles and you're calling on all these Greek gods that are probably the children of the Nephilim and the fallen angels. You And I was talking about reptilians and all this stuff, but guys, this isn't about Nephilim. This is all tied into the Bible. Like the Bible like has these answers. And if you're triggered by me saying this, I invite you to truly study it and take a look. If you're triggered by my shift, leaving essentially the new age, which I'm like, I look at that stuff now and I just laugh, like thinking about people doing their moon ceremonies and their things. I'm just like, what are they doing? This is so silly. Just ask God for what you need. Even if you manifest something, what do you, who do you think does that? Uh, brings you something, blesses you. Where does that come from? Are you thinking the creator or are you just worshiping the creation? I started worshiping the creation and I see it and I see too how there's a spell cast over Jesus and I didn't believe he had even lived and that I didn't believe he was God, none of it. And by the grace of God, Jesus pulled me out of it all. That's just the truth. That's where I'm at right now. And it's crazy. And I know that, that this is like probably wild because I, like I said, I was talking about Galactic Federation. I was talking about aliens. I was channeling. I was all that stuff. And it's a thing, guys. This is real. Like there's a spirit world. Is it Galactic Federation part of it? I don't know. I haven't, I don't feel like I have the answers. Kashuk Records. Yeah, it's a real thing. I've seen stuff that I thought was past lives. Do I know exactly what past lives are? No, I don't have any of the answers. This is what I've really come to realize. Um, but I do know that the spiritual world, the demonic energies and darkness is real. And spiritual attack is real. And I have been under massive spiritual attack. And that's what I feel my anger outburst, my suicide ideation, and my depression truly was. That's how I feel the darkness really gets to us is in all of our lives. And it works through us because the darkness needs vessels because this is the spiritual world we're dealing with. And they, for some reason, can't be here in form like we can. And that's what we have. And the darkness is trying to rule this world. And they're, they want us out of our body. They want us to sleep. They want us... Um, manifesting some some new earth uh metaverse new earth for some agenda every day you're a part of me please always stay inside of me something is faded without me we just can't make it so yeah that's basically what happened to me is I, I, I just like, I came out of it of a spell, another spell. And I look at, like, I, I just see no reason for it. And I, I, I love, like, I, I, like I started learning like all of these holidays, like that people, these pagan holidays, like they all took, they took sacrifice and they killed babies and they all just drank blood and, I just, I can't do it. I'm, it's not me. And, um, yeah. And I've been finding so much peace and just praying and I have a Bible study I'm in now and I love it. And this is the absolute last place I ever would have thought I would be in my life. So this is the ultimate rabbit hole for me is reading the Bible and I'm in the place of studying it. I just started a couple months ago and I'm not, here to convert people to my path or to tell you yours is wrong at all not at all you're you're incorrect if that's what you're taking from this i am just sharing this massive continuation of my journey and we don't know what we're messing with here we really don't know and it just it really really 
hit me hard when I saw that every rabbit hole you can go into in the truther community is really dark. Like they're chemtrailing our sky. They're teaching us bullshit in school. They're putting poison in these vaccines in people. Um, we've got Alice Bailey who wanted to break down the family as part of the New World Order. Well, they've done that. We've got fatherless society here. We've got kids that are confused about their gender all by design. That even ties back into the perfect being. Um, Baal is a male-female. Like it, Everything started making sense to me in this world. All the questions. I finally found the truths I was looking for when I was reading the Bible. finally found the truth I was looking for when I was reading the Bible and re learning about this history. It's a history book, guys. It's And the Bible's alive, too. It's a weapon because I've been under spiritual attack. And with my abilities, like I got activated. This is all real. Everything I've talked about with my psychic abilities, it happened. This is why this can be dangerous for people to open their third eye if you don't know how to handle it. Because, yeah, you get all this good stuff that comes in, but then you're open to the darkness, too. And I have literally been under spiritual attack where I have heard voices tell me just ungodly, awful things and feelings that I've had. And you want to know what gets me out of it? I call upon Jesus Christ now. I do. I pray. I start praying and I put on the armor of God and I quote the Bible or I put the Bible out loud. That makes it go away. That makes it go away. Nothing else before made it go away. There was no magic spell I could do to make this darkness that's been plaguing me my whole life go away. All the therapy, all the pills, all the counseling, all the sacred medicine, all the journeys, all that, none of it had the power that just using the word of God, the living word of God that I've been learning in the Bible has shown me. That is a huge part of why I am spending my time learning this book that I had never opened until a couple months ago. I am repenting now. I am coming on here and saying, I'm sorry if I led any of you astray with my new age path. Um, I was vulnerable and they told me I was ascending and I bought it. I thought the age of Aquarius is here and I'm waking up with it. No, I was able to look back because God showed me because now I just speak to God now. I'm still very, <laughs> I'm still very connected to the spiritual and but I have a hard boundary now. I only talk to God and Jesus. Jesus and God same to me. Jesus is just God in human form. Um, yeah, and uh, so it was seeing that, learning what demonic possession was, learning about programs, programming, MKUltra, that's demonic as well. It's all, you can choose your word for it, simulation, programming, demonic energies, whatever. It's all the same. <laughs> I don't know, it's all the same. That's why I say I don't think aliens are a thing. It's just a spirit world. It's all the spirit world. It's, it's just like, you guys, like, people are just trying to harness these things. Like, let's call it Galactic Federation. Let's call it aliens. Let's call this. It's just, it's the spirit world. This is energies beyond here because this world is bigger than just planet Earth and what's happening here. But when I started, when I saw that everything here, our history was a lie, and it's all tied to these dark satanic groups that have just been renaming themselves over time that do sacrifice and that's all tied to the Bible. It explains it all from like the beginning of time to now, like, and why we shouldn't idolatrize, why we 
literally like by I had 10 statues on a shelf after being in the new age. I had a Ganesh statue, an Isis statue, an Apollo statue, and all my things. I had an altar and I changed it up and I lit candles and I gave offerings like you know, like flowers or fruit and things like that. Why? This is idolatry. Why would I go to Ganesh and pray to Ganesh to remove obstacles when I can say, hey, God, what's up? Can you take care of this, please? Let me, did I do something wrong here? Let me look at myself. Let me repent and take a look at what I've done and then ask God to take care of this. And every time I go to God, it works. Yeah. I'd only done it a few times before. Now I'm like every day. I pray. I pray for others. The power of prayer is so powerful. And I keep saying, you guys, it doesn't do anything if you don't do it. If you don't believe in it, it doesn't do it. You're going to make fun of the Bible and Jesus. It's not going to do anything from you. If you're going to believe it, stuff missing from that, you're not going to take from it. Because guess what? There's a bigger thing that happens when I read the Bible. I'm not just taking every word I say in there and that's it. God is working with me and showing me in my mind how it applies to my life. Because it's a living book. It's a living book. And you will see when you pray to God, it might take a couple months to get the clarity you're looking for. Um, but you will get your answers. And I am a firm believer right now in just praying for things. You, I don't believe in, you can manifest, call it that if you want, whatever. It feels so new agey to me. Um, but you can also just go straight to God because it's God's going to do it either way, you know? So was just seeing that everything here was dark and and messed up and i saw that it had been happening nothing new under the sun had been happening since the dawn of time and everything started tying together when i started studying the bible and believing that jesus had lived and understanding why and that's my journey and that's my story um and that's what here comes trouble is talking about you know all of this stuff all of this stuff um and i'm so grateful to all of you for being with me on this journey and watching me go through these phases. And it's been, it's been wild sharing um, my journey as I'm awakening, but you know, I've written a memoir and the memoir has got way more details than anything I said in this podcast. This is just a, Hey, this is Kara. This is my story. I'm your host. Let's be friends. This is who I am. So, you know, so you can test my spirit. Um, but I'm here to talk to everyone. I really am. That's why I created Let's Be Friends is because being closed-minded got me in a lot of trouble. And uh, so I'm here to have the conversations and talk to people. And at this point, I feel like I kind of relate to anybody <laughs> because I've sort of been in like all the different mindsets at this point. And where I am now is I'm just living and learning and I don't know anything. And I am humbled and I am so grateful that God pulled me out of all the traps and removed the skills from my eyes as hard as it is to see there's no other way so that's my story I can't wait to share her comes trouble with you soon I'm guessing it needs a couple months it I kept thinking it would come out sooner but guys if you can hear in my journey I've been going through a lot and I don't even like a lot of this stuff I don't know how to just put into words on a little podcast and tell you that's why I've written a book and there will be more books and I'm not stopping here. Um, this is just the beginning. Um, and I love you so much. 
check out my albums, Dosage, Full Length. Um, if you want to know more about my journey, listen to my songs, listen to the lyrics. This is safe music to listen to. Um, and also my EP, Wasted You. And I will put links for all of that. And check out Secret Societies, where we are crushing idols and we are exposing all the different Secret Societies, um, Eyes on the Right and I so fun we're gonna crush oprah crush the kardashians crush politics crush it all crush it all talk about the things when they happen like super bowl and astroworld and stuff and then of course i have my comedy podcast with float universe i can't believe that's news um and these are both weekly podcasts so you know check it out um the can't believe this news is super fun float and i just have candid conversations it's just like a phone we're having a phone call and we talk about news headlines so we can talk about anything or everything that's happening but we just just can't it's just that you got to look at the the craziness the abnormalcy of normalcy these days and so comedy is needed and also exposure is needed which is why i'm co-hosting not so secret societies and i can't believe it's news and let's be friends is here because i want to have interesting interesting conversations with interesting people um about everything and anything and where i go from here i don't know but thank you for being on my journey. Thank you for being my friend. I love you. And I can't wait to share my story with you very soon. Have a great day or night. Fall apart